0: Hello, hello, welcome to the Vixen Happy Hour Podcast. I'm your host, C. Ortiz. This is season two, episode 27. Um, It's been a while, y'all. I haven't recorded, I wanna say in close to a month. My last episode was at the beginning of March, um, and even that episode came out late, because March has, was a hot mess for me. <laughs> the whole year so far has been a hot mess over here, but March really, like took the cake like it took it a little bit further so I had to take a second and just get myself together um and not record for a little bit so that I'm not coming on here just giving half-assed episodes or just projecting my bad energy so I needed to take a second to get that together however the episode the last episode I put out on polyamory has been doing extremely well especially because I haven't posted about it much um Every day for like the last week, it's been going up at least by like 10 listens. It's almost at 100 listens. And that happened within the last week. So I don't know who was sharing it, who was talking about it, what's going on. But every day there's like 10 more listens. So I'm glad you are enjoying that one because that one was a really good one to record. Um, But I do want to introduce my guest now. She is actually a returning guest. I'm so excited to have her back. So, her name is Ashley. So, Ashley, can you introduce yourself um, and just let people know a little bit about you?
1: Okay. Hi, everyone. My name is Ashley, again. Um, I am a hairstylist based out of Philly. we um, I really have specialize in one area in particular. Most people know me for um, doing hair braiding or doing editorial fashion shows, things like that. Um you can follow my Instagram. It is at Miss Ashbash M S Miss Ashbash um two underscores where you can see pictures of, you know, things that I've been working on and you can also book me there. Um that's pretty much it.
0: Awesome. Thank you again mm-hmm. so much for coming back. I'm really excited because this is actually a topic that um Ashley herself suggested to me and when she brought it up I was like I'm surprised that I never even thought of talking about mm-hmm. it I'm thinking because it's such a heavy topic um and I'm not that familiar with it so mm-hmm. I think it just never even crossed my mind but the topic we're going to talk about later on today is going to be pregnancy and infant loss and I thought it was something that should be talked about because I know a lot of women experience it and I definitely think Ashley is going to help a lot of our listeners so We'll get into that a little bit later. We're going to go into our first segment now, which is called I See You, Sis. This is where we shout out a woman or women that has been motivating us lately. And my shout out today is going to be to Demetria L. L? I'm I'm horrible with my L's. Demetria L. (laughs) Lucas. Uh, She's an entertainment correspondent, author, and podcaster. I wanted to shout her out based off of her podcast, because I've been listening to it for a while now I want to say at least a year and a half maybe two years um but recently so I go on these walks I've been going on these walks since August to kind of just get my body moving and it it's helped me lose a good amount of weight and I want to continue doing it because it does help with my overall health so when I go on the walks I always listen to like some sort of podcast so her podcast lately has been on fire. It's always really good because she's like really, really funny and she's very smart. Um, and she's able to explain things in a way that like she don't go like um real ph- like real philosophical is that the word like she don't use like big ass words or anything like that. Mm-hmm. She just explains it in a way that like you'll get it and you'll be cracking up her. Um podcast is called ratchet and respectable so i just went to give her a shout ratchet out because yeah she's lit and that's exactly what it is like it's raising it down <laughs> and it's respectable and then sometimes she has like these interviews she had an interview on the last episode um this lady called the budget nista and she was talking about like budgeting and stuff and a lot of the information she gave was very helpful but to me that podcast is so entertaining Um, and she helps me actually keep up to date with things that I wouldn't even pay attention to. So I just wanted to give her a shout out. Um, you can follow her at it's Demetria L. Lucas, all one word on Instagram. So shout out to her. I see you, sis. And I'm going to hand it over to Ashley. Oh, I
1: forgot to think about this one. Um, I'll just name some off the top of my head. Um, she is not from Philly. I just found that out. I thought she was this whole time but I believe she is from New York. Um, Her name is Chris Cavallari. And she is like an umbrella of things. Like she's a stylist. Um, She does like a lot of content creating. She has a podcast as well. Um, I believe it's called Is It Tuesday? Um, Where she talks about a lot of different things. I find myself listening to her podcast too um she has her own clothing line uh with like accessories i think it's it's called uh iconic okay. and um i've been following her for like some years now it's like her content is like always like on point like i go to her page a lot of time for like sometimes inspirations like as far as like outfits and things go or like if i'm trying to think of something to create on my end because I, I stuck at it i really suck at content she's like a genius but um her Instagram is at Chris, C-R-I-S, uh, Cavalori. And her podcast page is Is It Tuesday. So, yeah, shout out to her.
0: I've seen her. Um, I think I've gone to her okay. page a couple times. Yeah, because when you mentioned it, mm-hmm. I was like, that name sounds so familiar. And I have gone to her mm-hmm. page a couple of times. And you did mention something that is like, it's hard, and I don't think people realize how hard it is, is creating content. Like, (laughs) yo, people think it's easy. That's a whole nother job. Yo, that's a whole nother job. Like, it's like coming up with the idea, and then making sure that Mm -hmm. it's something people are going to want to watch, then you got to figure out in what way you're going to deliver this content. Especially now with all the, like, video editing and all that stuff. and Yeah, and then being consistent with it, it takes a lot of effort and time. And there's sometimes that I'm like, I don't feel like being on social media today. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't feel like posting. (laughs) I don't feel like it. So it's, like, people who are able to create content and do it consistently and do it well, like, shout out to y'all, because that is not an easy job at all. Mm -hmm. Um... So that wraps wraps up that first segment. We unfortunately are not going to do our plead the fifth just because Ashley has already been (laughs) on here and done it. I mean, (laughs)
1: that was my favorite part. I was like, oh, I was ready. I know. When you sent me the text, you said you were ready. I was like, why are we drinking today? We're not. (laughs) Oh my
0: gosh. No, we can still drink. That's not a problem. But I was just like, (laughs) I know. I was like, should I still do it anyway? Because Ashley seems to be down for it. But I was like, it's cool. I'll I'll skip it (laughs) but I know a lot of people look forward to it you did really good the last time so um we are gonna skip it this episode uh we're gonna go right into what's trending or whatever so I have two different topics um, just stuff that's been going on. Like I said, I get a lot of my trending stuff from Twitter and see all everybody's mm-hmm. different opinions and stuff on it. So just two different things that have been going on that I just kind of wanted to get um Ashley's thoughts on. So the first one is gonna be about Saweetie and Quavo, of course. Oh, <laughs> Cause that's God. been like the hot <laughs> thing for like weeks now. Um, so I'll give you guys some quick facts that I wrote down. So, about two to three weeks ago, Saweetie announced on Twitter that she is single, confirming that her and Quavo have broken up. Uh, Saweetie had alluded to the breakup being due to infidelity on Quavo's part. On Tuesday, this Tuesday, TMZ released a video of Saweetie and Quavo getting into a physical altercation over, it seems like a bag, in an elevator. Um, Saweetie confirmed that the video was from a year ago that and that her and Quavo had moved on from that incident. So, I wanted to ask you, Ashley, did you get to see the video?
1: I did, actually. I watched it, like, 80 times because I was trying to, like, make sure I didn't um, overlook because I was trying to see exactly, like, what was going on. It was like, okay, what were they fighting over? Why was she sitting on the floor for so long? Why was he looking at the camera? And I don't know. I kind of, I'm not going to say I had mixed feelings about it. it was just kind of like... I couldn't really make a full assessment of the situation. Like how could you determine from watching that segment of a video that she's being abused or that things were physical. Like it looks like to me, maybe she was trying to stop him from leaving or whatever the million dollars was in that suitcase. (laughs) They were not trying to let it go. (laughs) That was the main thing. They were not trying to let that go. (laughs) Mm -mm. And that's what I was trying
0: to find out. Like I was like, okay, let's forget about everything else. What's in the damn bag? Like I want to know what's in the suitcase. Anybody going to clear that up? Like we try to figure that out Listen. because it was like they were really fighting over that bag. And it's like right. you, I really want. And it was like a the bag was different too. Like it had like Call of Duty on it, but it was like pink.
1: Yeah. So that was like throwing me off. I was it just like, like one of those. Go ahead. Go ahead can not hear you. It looked like one of those
0: Pelican bags. Yeah, it did. <laughs> it did. But it, there was something in there. Like, I was like, I don't know if there's, like, sex toys, money. Quavo got <laughs> some, like, freaky shit in there. Like, I just wanted to know what was in the bag. Um, but I've, I feel the same way as you. I have mixed feelings about it, too. Um, right. Like, when I saw the video, and I, I did the same thing. I kept watching it because I'm like, okay. How like I didn't know how to feel about it because to me on one end it does look aggressive on Quavo's part, mm-hmm. um just because of the like how he pulled her and the fact that he pulled her so hard that she hit the backside of the elevator and then she's like sitting he on the ground yeah like he swung her pretty strongly so yeah. to me I was like that's a little a. Ag- It was a little aggressive. And then I think the fact that she was sitting on the ground and he wasn't, like, trying to help her back up or anything. Right. He was just kind of looking at her like, bitch, get the fuck up, kind of. That's how it felt. And we don't know what he was saying. There's no audio. But the way he was Oh, I wish I could have been a fly on the wall. Yeah. (laughs)
1: Like, I
0: wish I could have been in the vent or that elevator. You ever seen, like, that meme where the girl's, like, sitting in the vent? Like, that was a time I wish I was in the vent because... Yeah, like, you don't know what he's saying, but just his demeanor kind of comes off as, like, I don't care. You're hurt, I don't care. Whatever. Right. So it it does look bad, I think, on Quavo's end, just because it's, like, you know, I don't know. You look like you just don't give a fuck kind of thing. Um, right. But then another part of me was kind of weird about it, too, because they were fighting with each other in the beginning. Like, it looked like um, Saweetie hit him first. And who's to know if it was, like, she was defending herself if something else was happening. We don't have enough information to really determine um, what was going on. But it did just seem like they were kind of tussling with one another. So then you kind of go into, like, maybe that was just the dynamic of their relationship. Because Mm -hmm. some relationships are like that. Like, they are physical with one another, and that happens. Um, Mm -hmm. So then it's like, what if that's just what they do and how they go about things? So I don't know. I did think for people to say that, like, was like an abuser like a domestic Mm -hmm. violence person like i don't i don't know if i can make that determination based off of that one video um right you know like i don't know if if we can necessarily accuse him of being an abuser but then i don't know then i feel like we're slighting the people who that might have triggered or who they were in a similar situation and mm-hmm. their partner ended up being an abuser. Like that was just the start. And then it, you know, escalated. So it's, I don't know. I feel the same way as you. I'm like very in the middle.
1: Right. And then it's like, why did it just come out now? Yeah. something from a year ago, like y'all just wanted something to talk about. You couldn't figure out the reasons for why they actually broke up. And there was so much speculations around that. Because she did the interview with Justin La boy. Um Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know he's Justin L.A. Boy. Is
0: that um, what it is? I thought it was Justin LaBoy.
1: No, it's Justin L.A. Boy, right? No, I oh, I really no. thought his name was Justin LaBoy. <laughs> I don't know, but for a while, um I didn't know that she used to date Diddy's son. And I don't know if you saw the interview that she did with Justin LaBoy and Diddy's son and they were asking her like a bunch of different questions about um relationships and about threesomes and about this and about that and um the breakup kinda happened right after that, but uh people are saying they were already broken up at that point. Okay. So I don't
0: know. Yeah, I didn't see so I weird. didn't I didn't know that either. I didn't know that she went out with Diddy's son.
1: Um, yeah. and
0: so I did see just a clip from it where she was saying, like, they was, I guess he was saying, like, men like to be pampered too, and she was mm-hmm. saying, like, why do, why do, uh, boy, boyfriends want to be treated like girlfriends, and I know that set like, a whole <laughs> thing, because people was like, no wonder Quavo, uh, was cheating, he was in hell, blah, 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 but I mean, oh, who's, like, who's to know, and basically, off of what we saw, they did a really good job of not really letting nobody know what was going on until recently. Right. Because right. I thought they were fine, you know, like they seemed like I they were really, good. yeah, they seemed like they were really in love and really into one another. So they did a really good job of not really showing whatever nonsense was going on the on the inside. So, mm. and the stuff that we were able to see that they did show us, like it seemed like they were both equally spoiling each other because Sweetie bought him cars and stuff. And he was buying mm-hmm. her back, so it's like I don't know, but I think she's young, he's young, and they'll be fine. They're gonna find other people. And they'll will. keep it. They'll keep it moving. But as right. far as like the whole video, I was I was conflicted about it, and I really think TMZ was just sitting on that shit, just waiting mm-hmm. <laughs> for the perfect time exactly. to drop it and stir some <laughs> mess up. Because it, it was like, if that's a year ago, why is it just coming out? That's so weird, right? <clears throat> Very strange. So alrighty. my um next the next topic I wanted to talk about in West trending was in reference to the City Girls. So oh, this Lord. just happened yesterday. So I don't know if you're like <laughs> up to date with it. Um, I it's, bits and pieces. Okay, and it's funny because um I saw some of it happen. So so, so I sometimes will tune into Young Miami's um. IG lives because she's hilarious mm-hmm. to me, and then she'll do them with Santana, and both of them will be having yeah. me cracking up. I think that she's very entertaining, so I happen to just like click on it, and I caught like the tail end of when like Uzi was kind of getting a little smart with mm-hmm. Young Miami. So I'll give you guys some quick facts, um, really fast. So on Thursday night, last night, Young Miami went on Instagram Live with JT, who's the other member of the rap duo City Girls. While on the live, JT's boyfriend, Little Uzi, got on and began what seems to be a bit of an argument. This caused a number of people feeling like Little Uzi was being disrespectful towards young Miami and criticizing JT for allowing her boyfriend to speak to her good friend in that manner. Um, things got even more complicated once young Miami's baby father, Southside, who was a producer, went on his own live defending young Miami. And exposing that Uzi almost got robbed by Offset from the rap group Migos, which was like, what? Um, Both JT and Little Uzi said that Uzi was just joking and that it shouldn't have been that serious. Um, So I do have the clip that's been, like, circulating around, and I'll play that for you guys if you guys haven't, like, heard it. Um, But, yeah, like I said, I had tuned in, and um, it was a little odd. It was a little strange. It was. It was. But I was me... trying to
1: find the joke, but <laughs> Right,
0: right, and that's what I want to talk to you about. Alright, let me play uh, the video for you guys really quickly. You
2: know, you know, you know my whole body and soul, and you know I don't give a fuck about nothing. So listen, is this Carisha? Oh, you don't have to be crazy. I don't that's
1: care. That's, Carisha. Carisha, Carisha. that's understood. Carisha, you don't have to be Carisha. Friends. Carisha, and that's Carisha, that Carisha.
2: Carisha, it ain't even about that though. It ain't even about that, because you know me. I ain't never gotta see you, just like you ain't never gotta see me. Uzi, what you about, name? I'm about to say it. let me let me get my whole speech out. Cause you know I don't do this. Okay? Yeah, I do. It's me. Look at my car. Look at my life. I do way too much. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, Carisha. Um and J T told me, she like, Uzi, you ain't gonna do nothing but make it worse, so don't say nothing. But you know clearly I run this shit. And this is mine, every mine. So, it's just like, okay. Carisha, shut up. I, I, JT, 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 JT. If I, tell you, if I told you to kiss me on this live right now, you can do it. Okay, well just say So, just chill. That. Hey. You saw what I said to you, Carisha, because you left me on scene. Yeah, because it's, like, it's understood. I you and right, I are friends, so we don't have to be friends at scene. It's you... not about that, Carisha. Already, I told you. I ain't gonna say it on live. I already told you what'd be wrong with me. Everybody know what'd be wrong with me. You don't know me like that. Yeah, but exactly. I, I never did that to you. This your second No, you didn't know, you, know you see what I said? You see, you saw, the, you saw what You saw So oh, well. at this point, at this point, it's just and, like, it's my okay. last, and, and look, and it's my last time. Like, whether you like it or not, it's my last time. I would never do you like that. I'd never ever do you like that. That's not even in me. Like, I will not do you like that. What you do to me? Like, what you did to me? Honestly, tell me what you did. To All right, me? baby, I see what you. Relax. What, what you want? I'm not on the weirdo shit. What you did to me? No, I'm just saying, like you up there. Yeah, I am. I am yeah, up there, but to I'm I'm not phone. gonna be. I'm not gonna go what
1: there. Take it
2: too long with my phone. I'm. A, you're not getting on live anyway. That's number. One.
1: Sorry, I don't one. Know. Okay, one? so Uzi, you could just hang up and we'll talk the Because it's a lot. Yeah, because he's gonna. No, I ain't he
2: no going on I'm on not time. gonna say nothing. I'm just saying you get what I'm saying. Yeah, I get, I get right, what
0: you say. I get what you said. I'll talk to you later. Okay. All right. Ah. Okay, so that was the whole video. Sorry, my internet was acting up. Um, So, yeah, th- so do you feel that that exchange between them was, like, disrespectful? Like, does it seem like they were playing? I,
1: I'm trying to – it sounds – I don't know. It's <laughs> like <laughs> – was that the whole part of the live or like where was the key key at for it to be taken as a joke? It sounds like maybe he was playing a little too much because mm-hmm. this is my take from it. It sounds like JT was on live with Carisha and did Uzi take her phone like trying to play around with Carisha? If I said that wrong, I don't remember. But um, no. <laughs> I don't know if he <laughs> took if he took JT because I'm getting confused with the names. Did um JT take her? I mean, did Uzi take JT's phone while she's talking to Carisha like just busting and playing around too much? And it kind of looks like Carisha probably doesn't really care for him, right? But it's like on the tip that you know you're you're dealing with my best friend, so you like it, I love it, but I still don't like you, right? That's, so I,
0: don't I mean. Know. Yeah, to me, so I I was like, I get way too invested in some of these things sometimes, but it's, you know, I'm doing a podcast and I talk about some of the stuff, so I just be want right. to be more, like, aware. But, like, earlier, JT went on her own live, and she was basically saying that it was, they were joking, and that he was drunk as shit, that he was drunk. Um, she said like right oh, before, right. She said right before they they got on the live, her and Carisha were on Facetime, like their own Facetime, talking to one another. So she said when they was on the Facetime, everything was cool, like they was busting it up, laughing and stuff like that. So then she was like, "All right, I'm about to go on live, and then I'm a I'm I'ma call you." So she went on the live. And then I guess when she went on live, Uzi had her phone and started talking to her or whatever. But she was saying that it was an inside joke and that they, Karisha knew he was talking mild and that they understood each other and that people just blew it out of proportion and that they're just basing it off of that one clip that I guess later on, as she continues on the live, they do call back and he's like, you know, just telling her like, I love you. I'm just joking with you that he's saying that at the end of it and that they were both like, all right, like, It's cool. We can be cordial type of thing
1: but i don't... They don't like
0: each other <laughs> yeah that's what i'm saying i think at the end of the day that's just what it is y'all just don't like each other and to right. me from that whole conversation that nothing seemed like a
1: joke like that seemed Mm-mm. like a real thing like he was letting her her know. like this is the second time so obviously she, said. Said yeah. something that she didn't like not once but twice and that's why her nigga is coming at your neck like yes. you coming my bitch again i'm coming at you Yeah, you're out of pocket
0: Yeah, because to me, too, I felt like he was really doing a lot. And it seemed like he didn't give a shit. Like, he didn't care that he was talking to a female. He was just really Mm -hmm. going in and just saying whatever he wanted. And it was like, she was calm. Like, she was just letting him talk. Mm -hmm. And then she's, like, letting him know, like, yo, okay, you're doing a little bit much. Can we talk off the the live? And he's just, like, really going in. And it's like, I understand. Mm -hmm. I guess he's drunk, sure, whatever. But that's to me I don't know it, it didn't really sit well with me that he was talking to her like that and the way that he was talking to JT
1: um right yeah that part was like you he all saying um oh if I told you to tongue kiss me on this live you would do it yeah and she just like okay baby why? What? What? yeah <laughs> Yeah,
0: like, he's literally, I felt like he was, like, playing her. Like, he was just, like, you know, basically, like, he said, he said, I run this. He said, because I run this. You know what I'm saying? So, it's like, I felt like he was trying to play her, and then he was being rude to her friend. And it's just like I don't know. I didn't I didn't vibe with that at all. Ooh. And I understand that they probably have their own you know relationship and friendship issues and stuff like that. But there, if her dude is coming out to do a live, and I never see this dude ever. So if her uh-huh. dude is coming out to do a live to basically say like don't be talking to my girl like that it obviously was not funny like it wasn't funny even if later on y'all talked about it and he was like i was drunk i was tripping and then y'all laughed Mm -hmm. about it after the fact that was serious like you you was upset about whatever he was upset about and i really felt like he was being disrespectful to um carisha and jt's been getting a lot of like flack of people just saying like why would you allow him to talk to your friend like that
1: um JT seems immature to me. You think so? Yeah. I really like uh young Miami. Yeah. And I feel like the vibe I was getting from her is like she <laughs> probably think like little Uzi's a weirdo. And it's like <laughs> It's like look if you compare in the guys, like compare Uzi to what's her dude name? South South. Uh South South about the hot shots. <laughs> I don't remember his name but um, it's just like comparing the two she's probably looking at it like uh, anyways like right. it feels like this Like, get your dude, JT. Right. Get your nigga. And she probably really does feel that way. Because
0: even on the live, that's what JT was saying. She was saying, like, y'all constantly coming at him. Y'all constantly calling him a weirdo. Y'all constantly saying that he pussy and he's not. Like, he's an amazing person. And he has a really good heart. And she was, like, explaining that. So I really do think probably Young Miami probably is just
1: like, I don't get it, you know? But if you get it, cool. But I don't get it. I mean, that's usually the case with most friends and boyfriends. You might not see what they saw. And it's like. Once they're out of it, it's like, I was trying to get you to see the whole thing. See that? Hello? This ain't it. But if you like it, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Me and she and my it. dude aren't going pocketbook shopping together. Right. So. <laughs> right. Yo, it's so funny you said that about
0: the purse because people was making tweets like, yo, you really, they were saying, like, I can't believe Offset was really trying to rob, like, take Uzi's purse and shit like that. I was like, <laughs> yo, people are fucking stupid. But yeah, like I don't I don't know. Like J T was on there trying to explain. She said she also didn't wanna talk she said she talked to him after they got off, but she said she wasn't mm-hmm. trying to do it on the live she didn't she wasn't trying to disrespect them or make him seem like a pussy then. She was like, What if we would have got into it and y'all saw it on the live and now y'all it I got turned into a different story? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I understood how she was kind of explaining it, but I still think it looked a little bad as far as, like... Like,
1: you let yourself look disrespected.
0: Yeah, yeah. And it's like, you know... Everyone's relationship dynamic is different and that's their business. But I really, I get annoyed when celebrities be like, y'all all all in my business. But it's like, we wouldn't Mm -hmm. be if you never went on live. (laughs) Like, y'all be putting, yeah, like y'all be putting (laughs) yourselves out there and then be upset when people be like making fun or like, you know, coming up with their own theories and stuff. But it's like, we wouldn't if y'all didn't give people the ammo. So it's mm-hmm. like, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't, I don't get that part of like, oh, y'all be talking mad shit and this is in and the third. Well, y'all giving us the information. <laughs> right. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I think I, I just, yeah, I think that could have been handled a lot better or at least just, um, like, I guess young Miami, I guess click out of the live or whatever, but maybe she thought he was joking at first and then was like, wait, mm-hmm. hold on. Who knows? But that's everything that I have for the West Trending. I'm sure there's a lot more. I just want to talk about those two things. So that is to wrap up that segment. So we're going to go into our main segment, which is the free talk segment. And this is where we're going to talk about our topic. So like I said, mentioned in the beginning, the topic today is about pregnancy and infant loss. So, um, me and Ashley talked a little bit about why she wanted to talk about this topic and, you know, kind of better understand, um, what, what she wanted to share and how we were going to talk about it. So she did share with me that she did lose a child. Um, you said it was after, after having birth, right? Mm -hmm. So she did share removed that. She also shared that she's had, she's experienced miscarriages. So I kind of wanted you to just share a little bit more about your story with us. Um, just so we can better understand your experience and your
1: background. Okay. You want a little bit more? One only <laughs>
0: <laughs> Well no, I want you to share whatever yeah, whatever okay. you want to share. Yeah.
1: I had to mm-hmm. to write my notes down so I make sure I don't forget because it's it's a lot. Um, so I'll start with um well it's it's a coincidence that we're having this. This is a topic because um, the birth defect that my child has was CDH, and this is actually CDH Awareness Month, oh, so wow. that's a good thing. Yeah. Um, I'll get into describing, I mean, explaining, like, exactly what CDH is and everything. Um, I have it written down. So, um, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was an important phone call coming in there. Um, I'll start with, um, it was my first pregnancy when I was 19. I got pregnant, um, and it was with an older guy. He was about 24. I was 19. So I was, like, scared to death from the door. I was scared to tell my family about it. Um, I knew they were going to have a lot to say, being that it was with the older guy. They knew that I was dating the person, but just the fact that we were having a child alone. So, um... The first reaction that I had got from my mom was um, her telling me I have an abortion. And I wasn't really feeling it. It was just like, you know, I'm scared, but like I'm not really trying to, like, you know, kill a baby or whatever. And this was my first time ever being pregnant. And to factor in the fact that I didn't have any health insurance, um, I was panicking because I'm like, damn, like, I didn't even... Um, graduate um from high school, I didn't have a job, so it was just like I was trying to take it as my motivation. I went and got my GED, everything like that to get everything in line. So um I didn't get any prenatal treatment for a while. Like I had the vitamins and everything, but you know when you have a normal pregnancy, your first appointment isn't scheduled until months out. So my first appointment was to the emergency room. Because I had a bladder infection that got really bad, and at the time, um I was having like a really bad headache, like I was stuck to the couch and everything, and my side was just hurting really, really bad, and I ended up going to the hospital, and my mom was trying to tell me not to go, she's like, you know, you're sick, you're pregnant." I was throwing up she's like, you know it's morning sickness, you know when you're pregnant, it's hard to tell whether you're actually sick or whether this is just symptoms of carrying a baby. So I go to the hospital, come to find out I had a full-blown kidney infection. Oh, and man. that was, like, the worst pain ever. Like, this was, like, the worst pregnancy ever. So, like, a lot of stuff was like, oh, my God, oh, my God. Yeah, everything that could have went wrong went wrong, other than me practically dying. And that it was not too far from that happening either. So, um I had this kidney infection. I was in the hospital for about five days. Um I was also about five, around 16 weeks pregnant when you get that first major ultrasound, the anatomy one where they check, um, for all the baby's organs, that's when you find out the sex of the baby, and so that's when I found that I was having a boy, um, I go back to my room, coincidentally, my mom was in the hospital too, she was getting a minor surgery done, so she was already there, so the doctors had, um, her nurses bring her to my room, and in walks like a whole team of doctors. They're now standing around my my bed. My grandmother had just happened to pop up to come visit me, and I was just like, "What the heck is going on?" There's like five doctors in front of my bed, and I'm just sitting there like, "Is everything okay?" And they're just like, "Well, you know, um, we've been meeting about whatever with the baby. They said there was something wrong." So I'm like, "Okay, what's wrong?" So they said he has CDH. No idea what that was. It's something that affects. Uh, one in two thousand pregnancies. It's called um a congenital diaphragmatic hernia. And it's basically um where your body is. There was a hole in his diaphragm and his intestines went up through that hole to where your heart and lungs would be. So it pushed all of that over to where the heart and lungs didn't have the room to develop because his intestines were up there. And they aren't supposed to be. So they let me know that um it wasn't genetic and that basically because his lungs were so underdeveloped that he would not be able to breathe on his own and he would need an ECMO machine, that he would have all of these cognitive issues um, and physical disabilities just based off of this condition alone. So at first I'm thinking like, you know, okay, I'm having a special needs baby, but it was worse than that because they were saying the prognosis wasn't very good and they were suggesting that I terminated the pregnancy. So, um, they had mentioned a surgery that could be done while I was pregnant, but like my whole family was like, fuck no, you're not doing that. And I'm just like, well, why not? You know, you're desperate. You don't want to not do all things possible to save your kid. But the reality of it was they would have to open me up, take the baby out in the sack, perform the surgery to put everything back where it's supposed to be, hoping everything goes right. Um put him back inside of me and finish out the pregnancy that way. But the risk would be me laying there open on a surgery table while the baby is getting operated on, praying that nothing ever went wrong. Oh, wow. On okay. top of the fact that insurance doesn't cover that. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so the next option they gave me was to terminate the pregnancy. So I had entertained that idea. Um, You know, they sent me home with all the paperwork. Um, They gave me a date. Um, what ended up happening. I was gonna go through with it, but I was like torn between, you know, my heart was just like, you know, what do I do? I don't know what to do, and everyone I was going to talk to about it, nobody was really giving me any real answers because nobody wanted to tell me the right or wrong thing to do based off of their opinions of it. They didn't want to say, Oh, go ahead and terminate and then I'd be mad at them. So before getting the termination done, they had um, sent me to get an amniocentesis. And that's when they take this ridiculously long needle and stick through your stomach down into the sac to take out some of the amniotic fluid to test for things like Down syndrome, spina bifida, um, trisomy 21, a couple of other diseases to make sure that there was nothing genetically wrong with the baby. And in doing that, this doctor um, I was going to Jefferson Hospital, by the way. Cause that's where I was born. I wanted to deliver my first baby there. But Dr. Baxter, I hate his guts. Um, oh, man. He, because it, it was a traumatizing experience. And he, but a lot of the doctors there were, like, really, really insensitive to what was going on. He had suggested that I, um, they said that while they were doing the amniocentesis, that they could go ahead and stop the baby's heartbeat. So, that when I came back to the determination, they would already be gone. And I was just like, what the fuck? So, wait, they were saying you would just have to carry your baby <laughs> exactly. who has it passed so, until um, they take it out? Right. Right. The determination was set up for the following day. And I'm like, so you want me to, mind you, this baby is big, kicking everything. And that was the, the weird part about it. It's like, as long as he's inside of me, he's fine. Like, everything is great for him inside of me that's coming out into the world and that's the real issue and you're telling me to not only let you kill my baby but walk around with the baby dead inside of me looking at this belly bump, baby bump I mean knowing that the baby is just there. Yeah, I was just like this is too much. At that point I was starting to feel like I'm playing God it's like I'm deciding when my child's life is supposed to start or end and I was just like really like fucked up about it and it was like his dad wasn't really giving me much of an input he was kind of like you know whatever he had other kids so I just felt like it wasn't affecting him the same and so I literally canceled my appointment two ten minutes before I was supposed to be there and I'm like you know I can't do it they're like well you know you're so far along in a pregnancy you know outside of this date you won't be able to get a termination at all and I'm just like you know what I'm fine with that like in my spirit I wouldn't be able to live with knowing that I made that decision and in the back of my mind, I would be thinking, like, damn, what if I would have just waited and just finished the pregnancy out? I I, I, so I said, I can, I, it's going to hurt regardless. Like, there's no way of getting around the hurt of the possibility that this baby will not make it. But I would rather things go the natural course that they're supposed to go. And if it was meant for him to be here, then he'll be here. If not, then so be it. So um, I didn't go through with it. I was back in the hospital again. Uh, I think I was in the hospital and not the hospital like every other week, damn yeah, the end of my pregnancy. And I ended up going back with a, another kidney infection and a blood clot. And all of this was because of the position of the baby. There's like a something going from your kidney to your bladder, the baby was laying on, and that's what was causing me to keep having the kidney infection. So now I have this blood clot that I didn't know. I just saw that my one leg was getting ridiculously big to the point that all I could fit was Uggs. And it wasn't fitting in the Uggs. And you know how wide the Uggs are. Yeah. And so my leg, but just that one leg was big. So I went there and it was a blood clot. It started down there and it caught it up near my hip. And I was in so much pain from that, that I was on crutches. Like I couldn't even stand up straight. Like I was on crutches walking around. And now because I had this blood clot, um, taking blood thinners that I had to shoot. I was taking a needle. In my leg, twice a day, every single day for the rest of the pregnancy. Um, what else? Um, it, when, once I became 34 weeks, they sent me to CHOP because at that gestational age, the baby could actually survive. So they took me to the neonatal specialist over there where they did more ultrasounds and discovered that the baby. Not only had CDH, but now he also developed um, what's called fatalis. And I didn't really know what the fuck that was, mm. so you know I'm Google crazy. I'm googling it, and I wish I never did because all these images popped up, and I'm just like, oh my god! I start freaking the hell out because if you look it up, it's basically there's fluid under your skin, around your brain, around like all your main organs, and you look like a, a blow up like the Michelin Man, like literally. That's what the babies is. You could barely see their face. All you see is the eyes and nose. It's just like blown up. Oh like like gosh. if you stick a pen in them. But his wasn't that bad, but that's what I was seeing. So that made his prognosis go down even further. So now I'm just like waiting it out. They're like, you know, we don't think that you're even going to carry full term. We think you're going to go into labor early. You know, the longer he stays in there, the better. But we just want you to prepare yourself for the chances that he's not going to make it. So I'm just like, okay, there's no real way to wrap your mind around it. Like I didn't do a baby shower or Any of the things you would normally do throughout a pregnancy, I didn't do. So um, there was a lot of stress from family, from the dad, from all over. And all I remember is that final weekend, me and his dad went and stayed at a hotel, literally down the street from the hospital. And overnight, I thought I lost, like, my mucus plug or something. I didn't know because I was young. So I didn't know, go to the hospital. They're like, no, your water broke. You're in labor. So I'm like, okay, cool. But now, not only you know they hook you up to everything, and they're also like, you know, you also now have free preeclampsia, blood oh pressure too. Yes, this is it's crazy. Like, and in my head, I'm not. It's not resonating with me that none of this shit is normal. My mom was like, sis, like you might just not need to have no more kids because. None of that normally happens in people's lives. I'm thinking like, oh, this is just things that could go wrong. Just like, no, this doesn't happen to people. Like my blood pressure What's the the bottom number usually in the hundreds, right?
0: I think the bottom is usually like in the 80s or something like that. Like it's the lower number and the top number. Whatever is like the, the top number was,
1: yeah. was where the bottom number was was at. It was like the low, the high number was mm-hmm. high, high, like damn near 200 something. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's the bottom bad. number was yeah. 100. Yeah, oh, I was like, yeah, yeah.
0: That's so, bad. like,
1: I'm not mm-hmm. even realizing it. That's was, damn there knocking on your door and you're not realizing it because you can't feel any of this. It's mm-hmm. just they're telling you all these things that are wrong. So. Um, You know, I had my epidural, everything, and they made me sign a waiver, and this shit creeped me out so bad. They made me sign a waiver saying that if I were to need an emergency C-section, that um, they either don't try to save the baby based off the baby's prognosis, because they're basically um, putting on a scale, like, whose life was more important, in that instance, it was mine. Mm-hmm. So they were saying, like, if this and that goes wrong, we're not going to save the baby. We're going to do everything to save you. Because, you know, preeclampsia and bleeding and all of that. So um, they also let me know that, you know, once you have the baby, because he can't um, breathe on his own. Because he can't breathe on his own, um, we're going to have to hook him up to the echocardiogram or the ECMO machine. I'm sorry, echocardiogram or something else, the ECMO machine to help him breathe. And you won't get to hold him. Uh, we have to take him right into surgery right away. And I'm like, okay, so you know, push the baby out. I see him, I'm like, okay, but it was like things got a little weird because everything they told me was going to happen, nothing went on because they were trying to revive him, you know, get him to breathe. And I'm like, they just told me that he couldn't breathe on his own, whatever. They finally took him into the other room, and um, when they brought him to me, I was confused. Because they had like a handheld um, thing to breathe, a handheld ventilator, I guess, to help mm-hmm. him breathe, to let me hold him, and I was just like, "Well," but they were like, "He's gone." He was gone already. I just didn't know, because they had that thing there, and I'm like, "Well, I'm not supposed to be holding him. I'm not supposed to be working on." They like, "No, the baby." My sister was like, "You know, he didn't make it." So that was like a whole thing. Um, you know, I got to sit with the baby. My family came up, got to see him. We got to. They are peace and everything you know that was weird um do you feel, like, with it.
0: Do you feel like when they were walking working on him, do you feel like it gave you a little bit of hope like when, you when they him? were in my
1: room, I felt like they didn't know what the fuck they were doing okay. because me being a high risk pregnancy, I was to the doctors every week and they ran it down to me so much that I could have told them, no, you're supposed to do this, next. you're supposed to do that. Next. They told me verbatim, this is what we're going to have to do. After that, we have to do this. After that, we have to do that. We're going to rush him out of the room to surgery, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, why are they sitting there trying to resuscitate him? That's not going to work. You just said his lungs aren't strong enough to breathe on his own. So it was like everything they were supposed to do went out the door. Right. I don't know if it was panic or whatever, but um, I didn't really dig too much into it. Um, my family was upset with me about that, but I'm just like, you know, that's not going to bring him back, and it's not going to be good for my sanity to find out that if there was something that could have been done to save him and you guys didn't do it, that's not going to be good for me. Cause that's going to drive me up a wall. Um, the first night, oh my god, it was terrible there was this African nurse, nothing against African people, but I just remember that about her. She was mean as shit. Like They didn't prep their staff for me to be on, there's like a high-risk floor or a special, whatever they called it, where most of the moms um had some type of issues during their delivery. And when I tell you, every single nurse that came in there congratulated me on my baby.
0: No. They were just like,
1: yes, they were like, congratulations this and that and I'm just looking at her she's like well what's wrong with you and oh my god I think the dad snapped out he's like our fucking baby just died like what the fuck why are you congratulating her on the baby and she's like oh I didn't know like just rude the next morning the head of nurses the head of nurses came in the next morning oh congratulations I heard we have a baby boy mind you in the there's like a window right next to me and they give you like a memory box with like pictures of the baby and everything, like you see all the flowers and the so sorry, this and that, and you're coming and congratulate me on a baby that's not here. So that it's was just, um, that
0: is so unprofessional. Like, there's nobody very unprofessional? Yeah, does nobody talk and relate and communicate with one another? Yeah, it's like, like why
1: wouldn't you say you know this one lost the baby last night? Yeah, so they just would come in and it was like after like the third or fourth nurse, it's like okay, like at some point do y'all sit down and say when is somebody going to relay the message and just be like, please yeah, like, be aware so of this? And it, like, me, you know, I'm too emotional, like, I'm crying and this and this. so I couldn't really, like, relay it. I'm drugged up, mind you, because it's is still through the roof. It's like, on top of trying to get your pressure down, like, you just lost your baby. Um, he only, I forgot to mention that um, he didn't pass away right away. He lived for 45 minutes and then, you know, everything happened after that. So um I had to have a funeral for him. Um, I don't really think I need to go too much into detail about that. Um, there was a lot behind that. I had to have a funeral for him, but I think one of the, the main things that I didn't do that I should have was um I never went and got any help. Like I didn't go to any therapy or anything like this. And this happened in two thousand eight, so he could have been thirteen. So, this is 13 years ago that this happened. And um, I guess I didn't realize or think that there would be so many life changes. Like, there's so many things about me that changed from that moment permanently, like, even to this day. Mm-hmm. Like, if I ever was to get pregnant again, I'm automatically high risk because all those things, mainly the blood clot, but because of all of those. Things that have happened to me—the preeclampsia and everything—I'm high risk from the door. I have to take those blood thinners from the door. So that's two needles a day going into my legs every single day. These are like things that I have to think about. I can't get on regular birth control. Um, I don't even trust birth control really. And part of it has to do with, um, you know, that was that was my first pregnancy, but that was not my only pregnancy. You know, that I have my son; he's eight, um, but. Prior to him, I had a miscarriage in between the two. And after him, I had three more miscarriages. Oh my bed. goodness. So it's like to the point now where the doctor had told me if I was to get pregnant again and lose the baby, that I would need to see a specialist, a fertility specialist, to find out, you know, what's going on. And I think one of the things um, that might be the issue is I may have fibroids and just don't know. Okay, but they do run in my family. Um, what else? Trying to make sure I covered everything birth control restrictions life, utility. Um, I mean, I did develop anxiety and depression from that, and it grew and kept growing and growing. Like, I, I still deal with that to this day. Um, it's not all having to relate to that, but there are certain things that are triggering before it would be that but it's not anymore now I um I did want to talk about the way that well the things that I have gone through after the fact which would be like things that people have said family and friends wise people say a lot of insensitive things to moms that have lost babies and that was my that was one of my questions
0: I wanted to ask you that I wanted to ask you um if you have found that some people can be unsympathetic or just even very, desensitized to a woman who has very experienced much a miscarriage. So. Okay. Um,
1: I've had someone say, oh, well, I lost a baby, too. So I had a miscarriage. And it's just like, I didn't have a miscarriage with him. Like, I had a whole baby. There were some people who didn't consider me a mom because my child passed away. Or people would say, things like, oh, it wasn't meant to be. Or...
0: You know, I hate that. I hate like, that it what? wasn't meant to be. Like, I like, so what was, was it meant to, to be, be then? Yeah, like I hate when people say stuff like that.
1: I I just I don't know. They're like it affected my parenting crazy with Ace. Like I, when I tell you, I've been so overprotective of him. Like I've just been able to like loosen up some. But once the next milestone, I'm like, heaven. It's oh no, because when he was a baby. I couldn't let him out of my sight because it was like surreal to me that I actually have my baby now. Mm-hmm. Like he's here, I'm not sitting crying about this or going through the the pain to get breast hurting. And there's no baby there to breastfeed, but you still got to go through oh, all those emotions, of those postpartum yeah. things. I, I had postpartum depression really bad after having Ace, and those are things I didn't know to prepare for. It's um. It's it's really hard. Like it's it's gotten a lot easier with the years, you know. Ace knows about him. He's sure he's more an advocate for him than anybody, you know. Like, he talks about his brother all the time. Like I try to like, you know, make sure he knows about him as much as possible. And um I don't know, it's just it's not something that you ever get used to, but I have found that a lot of people that this is my first time ever like sitting down and speaking about it like in full detail. Like most of my friends, they know it's happened. I didn't know a lot of them when it happened, but they know about it, but not like blow for blow. Like damn, like you went through this and you went through that and you went through that. So like a lot of people, they send like their friends to me for like advice, or they'll come ask me like you know how should I deal with them going through this and how should I deal with them going through that. And for a while, I'm like damn, like. Uh, maybe I'm doing with a lot better than people think I am, mm-hmm. or something that they feel comfortable enough to come to me and talk about it. But like, I'm I'm very comfortable talking about it now. Like before, I would have been on this phone, Woohoo crying. Like, mm-hmm. um, I cried a little <laughs> bit earlier, so I got that out because I was just I had spoken like I record audio notes a lot to make sure everything sounds right, and it was just like, damn. So. <laughs>
0: Yeah. I did. I did want to ask you what mm-hmm. are some normal feelings that you could have after dealing with something like this? Because I wonder. I feel like there's people out there who go through these kind of things, and they right. feel like they're going crazy. Crazy. Yeah. So what are what are some things that you think is not you going crazy? This is just normal and part of your grieving process.
1: It pretty much is grieving because it was the anxiety hit for me instantly. It was like, um, I didn't want to be alone. I didn't want to be alone, like I had to have someone there with me, um, at all times. I went through the same thing when I had ACE though, like the same type of anxiety. Um, it was the feelings of not speaking about him or feeling like I was forgetting about him. So every chance I got, I would let somebody know, no, I have a son. He passed away, but this is this and that. And over the years, like, now it's like, I won't mention it unless I want you to know it. Mm -hmm. Because I don't really feel like explaining myself. Because then people go, into, oh, I'm so sorry. And it's like, if you don't see me over here down and sad about it, you don't get down and sad about it. You can be, you can have empathy for it. But don't! Talk, oh my God, that makes me so sad. I'm going to cry. It's like mm-hmm. don't do that. Yeah, don't do yeah, that. yeah. Um, any any feelings that any mom gets after losing a child is not abnormal. Now there are certain things that if you start to feel these ways, that you probably do need to go get some help, and you shouldn't feel that you can't talk to any. Let anyone around you know, like, hey, I'm not feeling okay because I did go through that because my um. Child's father, he had a good kid. He had another baby um, who was about five months older than my son. And I had to let them know, I don't think it's best for me to be around a baby right now because I'm feeling away. Like, I feel ways that aren't normal. Like, I'm looking at this child and I don't like it. It's like, this child is here and mine isn't. Mm-hmm. I didn't like it, so I'm like, maybe I just shouldn't be around a baby right now because those aren't normal feelings that have. Like, I'm not going to harm the baby or anything, but I shouldn't be around them. Right. Um, it would be triggering to be in the store and in the baby department. You know, you start crying. Like thankfully, I didn't have a, a baby shower, so I didn't have to look at a bunch of stuff that you know I couldn't use. Um, I'm trying to think of what else, because I, I don't think that I I really went through the crazy side of the depression as much. So to say, I don't know. A lot of that stuff, I might have blacked it out, too, to be honest, because I really did go through it. I might have blacked a lot of that out. I know um, around his birthdays it would be hurtful to me when my family and friends didn't remember. Or, like, if they forgot to tell me Mother's Day, Happy Mother's Day, because they don't see a baby, so they equate that to you not having a child.
0: And I did want to ask you, like, were your relationships with your friends and family affected, like, in a major way? Just with yes. everything going on? Yeah.
1: Yes and no. Um, some people, it was the same. Um, there was one person that my relationship changed with. It was it was my mom. Um, kind of the type, I guess, the way that you would have expected a parent to have been there, they weren't. Mm-hmm. And that like really stuck with me. Even like to this day, it was like you imagine like you know you get pregnant, things are gonna be like this, and this is gonna happen, and I'm gonna have that, and blah blah blah. blah. And then when you don't, it's like, well, wait, this isn't fucking normal. Mm-hmm. So yeah. As far as my friends, there were some friends that didn't even come to my son's funeral, so. That that definitely changed things for us as well. I
0: think because, like you know, I I mentioned on my podcast, and you already know that my dad passed in
2: January, mm-hmm.
0: and I have run into those feelings of just like yes. you know, feeling like people who you thought were your friends didn't really step up to the plate. Like shit hit the fan, right. and they kind of was like, "Oh, I'm gonna fall back," and right. a part of me had to kind of at least I'm trying to remind myself that I think some people just really don't know how to deal with that stuff. Like they not don't know to how do to deal with thing. death, You know, they don't know how to deal with somebody who's hurting. Um, mm-hmm. And so they just, you know, remove themselves. And it's right. like, you know, I, I understand it and I get it. I guess what angers me sometimes is like, why not try or, you know, right. maybe even think of how can I be, there for this person Mm -hmm. in what capacity can I do it and can I Mm -hmm. be open with them and let them know like listen I don't know what the heck I'm doing but I Mm -hmm. do want to be here for you and I think that's what Mm -hmm. sometimes bothers me is that people are so like when something's uncomfortable they're so quick to just exit stage Mm -hmm. left like oh this is uncomfortable I can't mm -mm." you know but it's like when I'm up and I'm turnt and I'm drinking and I'm Mm -hmm. I'm fancy oh you don't mind being around but then when it's like I'm low c sassy not feeling like myself c you decide this is your time to kind of take a couple steps back. And I don't think people realize just how hurtful that can be to somebody that's yeah. in a grieving process, you know? Right. And especially for you where you were saying that some people weren't even acknowledging your hurt or acknowledging yeah. that you were a mother, acknowledging that you had lost a child. I think mm-hmm. people really don't realize how dropping the ball is like severe. That's a severe mm-hmm. drop of the ball to do that. and. It yeah, is. I don't know. I I I really feel like people need better
1: skills when it comes to these kind of they things. Do. But that's the thing about death and grieving; like, you don't know what to do on either end. Mm-hmm. It's like I can definitely, I definitely feel where you're coming from as far as what happened with your dad, because you know, um, I don't know if I had told you, my sister passed away in April of 2020, no, and I, I went through a lot. It was from feeling like everybody around it felt like you know once my sister passed away I lost everybody around me and I just felt like alone and sometimes you know you're trying to check yourself like well maybe it's me if Mm -hmm. I'm feeling like everybody around me is disappearing maybe it's just me but it's also that you know the same way how you don't know how to process the grief sometimes we don't know how to process helping someone dealing with grief either mm-hmm. so it's like sometimes it's not you know calling, calling hey how you feeling about everything like you don't it doesn't always have to be that. it can be you know what let me have a hung out in a while let's just go to the mm-hmm. mall or do something that has nothing to do with what you're going through mm-hmm. to help people get through that sometimes you just need a distraction while you're processing all of these emotions or going through each emotion because grief is Something that comes in waves, like sometimes you are good, like you might not have been lying at the moment when you told that person you were good. Mm -hmm. Next moment, you might just be being a crybaby all damn day. Mm -hmm. It's not really something that you can have any control on. And There's no real, they they have these charts to tell you, oh, you're going to go through this, you're going to go through that, but it doesn't tell you in what steps it's going to happen or when it's going to hit you. Right. So everybody like, does kind of need that skill. But it's like, who's going to teach it? Because nobody really knows nobody, how to deal with yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> no one really knows how
0: to deal with it. That's true. That's true. It's like no one be, uh, no one really knows how to deal with it. And I, that, I think yeah. that's why I wanted to, I also wanted to ask you, do you think there is, like, what would you advise for someone, like, at least someone's partner or, like, a friend or family member, like, at least maybe what not to do when someone is dealing with the loss of a child?
1: Hmm. When dealing with that, I would say definitely don't assume that they're processing everything the same way that you are. Don't assume that they should only be sad for this amount of time and then they should be over it. Don't assume that you can just um say anything that comes to mind and just try to, to be as supportive as possible. Because, like, you really don't know how that feels. And that's a feeling that you're never going to get over. Like, it gets easier to deal with. But it could be 17 years down the road and you're boohoo crying about this shit because you thought you were over it. And you're not. Because you're never going to get over it. You just find easier ways to deal with it. Right. So, um, I know in my situation, I, I definitely felt like my partner or person, guy, whatever you want to call him. Wasn't as supportive as I needed him to be.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: He definitely wasn't.
0: And I've I was um, reading up a little bit on you know pregnancy and infant loss, and they were saying that mm-hmm. that can that's like a thing. Like sometimes people's partners aren't as understanding or as supportive, um, mm-hmm. and I don't think they sometimes realize how much a woman is going through with that loss. Right. Um, and I think they also said, they mentioned like sometimes the woman can feel because she's going through so much that their partner might not be going through anything and, and that can get lost in translation. So I think it is, it's definitely tough because you, I feel like as a woman, you go through all of those things of probably feeling like you weren't enough or you didn't do Mm -hmm. enough or is there anything I could have done differently and stuff like that Mm -hmm. because you were the one carrying the baby. So it's like, yeah, I just feel like that's so tough on People like who are in relationships who go through that, and then I can only imagine how much more tough it was for you to basically kind of go through it by yourself. Like, that's a lot on the right. person. Um, right. with your pregnancy mm-hmm. with ACE, did you have all of those same complications?
1: No, um, there was a minor scare in the very beginning. Um, what was it? The doctor was saying that they found a cyst on my ovary or somewhere but it went away um that was like the only skill that i had with him the only thing was because i'm automatically high risk at the doctor every other week still got to take those needles every single day you never get used to that just poking yourself up because it doesn't tickle it doesn't really hurt but it doesn't tickle either um but he didn't really give me any complications he was perfectly healthy we didn't have any problems that's awesome. So that was that was very awesome. The only yeah. thing that I did have afterwards was I definitely had postpartum and I wasn't ready for that. Okay.
0: I know I had mm-hmm. an episode before um we discussed postpartum and I'm just like I can't believe this all goes into pregnancy like it's like Everything you got to do for those nine Mm -hmm. months, and it's like after the fact, like there's just so much, like nothing ever
1: is the same.
0: (laughs) Yeah, like I don't think moms get the full credit that they should get, honestly, because it's like, wow, this is a serious journey, and you're never the same, Mm -hmm. really. You know, it is. It's like life changing. It
1: really is. It really Uh, is.
0: I did want to ask you, and this is my last question, is what would you mm-hmm. wanna let women know who may have under undergone similar to what you have went through? Like what would you wanna let them know?
1: That um I'm not gonna be cheating to say it's not the end of the world, but it's not the end as much as it may feel that it's gonna be the end. Um you don't have to feel guilty. Moving forward for further practices, that's the emotion that you definitely go through is feeling like, how can I love another child when I don't even have this child here? Um, It does get better. You know, it's just something that you have to get through. And um, reaching out to other moms to talk about it does actually help. And that's something that I did not do. You know, I'm not going to say it was so many years ago, uh, 2008. But we didn't have Instagram and different platforms like now. I feel like it's so much easier. You can just hashtag whatever it is and a thousand things will pop up. As many different support groups as you need, I would definitely say take advantage of therapy and everything that you feel is, is a healthy outlet to help you get over it. Um, yeah, I can't really think of much else.
0: I think you made a really good point when you said to talk to other moms about it. Mm -hmm.
2: Because,
0: you know, I'm not a mom, but I do have friends that are moms and I feel like Mm -hmm. they have put, not all of them, but I feel like I have witnessed some moms put unnecessary pressure on themselves Mm -hmm. or like they feel guilty, I guess, Mm -hmm. sharing what's going on with them and, you know, motherhood Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. It's like they feel like if they do share with someone else, they're going to be judged or, you know... Like, I just feel like they feel like they have to keep it all in. um. Yeah. So I think it's, it's really good to be like, no, I want, I need community. We all need community and right. reaching out to a group of moms is more helpful and shouldn't feel like shameful or like you, you know, quitting or anything. Cause it seems like everyone doesn't have the answers. Everyone is struggling, you know? So it exactly. seems like at least if you reach out to people, it'll at least help you feel better in a way. And kind of, like you said, you'll learn things that you probably didn't know prior to. Mm-hmm. So, I
1: yeah. you gave me a really um, good point. I definitely, I've, I've given it some thought as far as, like, you know, speaking about this, going forward, like, to other, like, groups and stuff. I told you, I never, like, went through the therapy part, and I probably messed myself up tremendously from skipping over that. Like, I feel like a, a lot of us need therapy, and you just think that, you know, you're going to get through things, and sometimes you might just need a little extra help right. getting through it, because it it's affected my parenting and my, my thoughts on life, and a lot, it, it's affected a lot that I didn't think that that situation was going to alter, and it definitely did. Like, I am definitely a permanently changed person. It's not all bad, and it's not all good. hmm Like I'm like ridiculously clingy to my child, and I'm trying to learn to not be and to let him. But it's like this thing in the back of your mind. It's like, damn, what if I lose him too? Right, right. I can't lose him. So now it's like, oh no, you can't go here. No, you're not sleeping over this person's house. No, you're gonna sleep with me. He was a baby every single night. He's sleeping with me. I wouldn't let him go with his dad. Or anybody, I'm like, I don't care. Like, I, you know, and I try to tell people, like, I'm sorry if I'm being a little overbearing when it comes to my child. I lost a child. And that's when the rudeness come coming. People be like, oh, I lost a child too. And it's like, no, that's not that's not what we're doing. I don't yeah. care. It's not that I don't care that you lost a child. You're being insensitive right now. Yeah. You're saying you lost a child, but you lost a child to, oh, I decided to get an abortion. Oh, I, I had a miscarriage oh, I had this or I had that. That's not the same thing. Yeah. I would never say that to you. Never, oh, I never lost a child too. It would be like a whole different way. It would mm-hmm. be like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, I lost a child too. And blah, blah, blah. Like, how do you feel? How do this, how do that? Not telling that person how you should think or feel moving forward. Yeah. And, and that's I like think, one of the worst things. Yeah, that's something that we should let people
0: know. Please stop doing that to folks. Like, I know yeah. a lot of a lot of times we're inclined to be like, to kind of compare situations so that you Mm -hmm. at least make the person comfortable and let them know, like, I feel how you feel. But we've already established that everyone feels differently in their situation. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, you can say that as far as being like, I empathize with you or I've Mm -hmm. I've been through something similar. But I think people need to stop just assuming that, like, yeah, we went through the same thing and they are just – just say those things. It's not, it's not helpful. It isn't, especially when they're telling you, this is how you should be handling it. Cause people right. have done that with my mom. Like my aunt, she lost her husband and she's literally telling my mom, my mom told me this the other day. She told my mom, you need to take all his pictures down because that way yeah. it'll make you feel better and you can finally just get over it. <laughs> And I'm like, first off, it's only been two months. And I'm like, what is the pictures being on going to do with the fact that you've lost your husband of 50 years? You're still living in the home that y'all have lived in this entire time. You got all those memories. So what are the pictures going to do? And I was like, that's just so rude. Like, let people grieve how they want to grieve. Yeah. And it's like, Mm -hmm. okay, maybe that helped you or you were able to get over losing your husband quickly. But that's not everybody's. Right. situation. So I think for people to even say that to you, like, oh, I lost a child, too, and, you know, you should just do this and that. No, I shouldn't. I should do exactly what I'm doing mm-hmm. right now. <laughs> like, exactly. I don't know. Yeah. Sometimes I don't think people think. I think anything okay. comes to their head, like you said, they just say it.
1: You don't have to say everything no. that comes to your head. You just don't. My son's mom, I mean, my son's dad, my first son's dead. his mom, we were staying with her at the time, and she busts in the room. This is a week after... We had my son. It might have been, like, the next day after we buried him, actually. And she's like, all right, y'all, get up. No more soaking around? Life goes on, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, wow, really? Life just goes on? I lost a kid, too, and I'm fine i'm just like wow and
0: what's crazy is that she's not fine because if you can easily go to somebody the day after they've buried their child and tell them okay no more soaking we got to get this moving and grooving you're not fine you never processed it so yeah like yeah i don't know that sucks Mm -hmm. and i'm so Mm -hmm. sorry that you had to go through that it just it sucks i mean it's not fine but i'm fine right
1: yeah now anyway but before i was just like wow wow it would just be like year after year. And to be honest, that stuff was very, very triggering to me at first. It was like, you say one thing, it used to people on Facebook, you know, they had the honesty box. Mm-hmm. People would go in there and say ignorant shit about my son, and it would piss me off. Like, I would nah. get so angry. Yeah, they would. I would but I, I have an idea who it was, but whatever. I would get so pissed off by any little thing you said about my son or any insensitive thing that you said, it would get me fired up, and I just had to learn, like, people are using it, they know that this is the one thing that's going to get to you, mm-hmm. and it started bothering me less and less. Now, it's just, like, you're miserable. Like, you're, yeah. you're not going to get that same reaction out of me. Like, you're miserable, you're never going to get any blessings being like that, whatever have you. Like, before, oh, I would want to fight. I think I did fight someone before for something that they said. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, you feel that way about my kid? Oh, I got you, because I, I was just, like, he's not even here. I don't have my kid and you have the nerve to say this and to say that. I'm going to show you how I really feel. But I, I, you know, I've grown as a person. I don't do that anymore. Good. (laughs) don't do that anymore. Good. (laughs) Now, some people
0: be asking for it. I don't know. I, do. I say it all the time. It's like, humans, like, I know we're imperfect, but it's like, some, some humans really suck. You just be like, what is wrong they with do. people? Like, what is wrong with it's people? like,
1: I would never say that. Yeah. Like, who raised you? I really want to know, because what in the world? But uh, now, when I see other moms that are going through it, it's just like, I have a soft spot for that kind of stuff. I really do, because it's like, I can feel it. Like, mm-hmm. I can feel it. Um, a, a friend of mine's, like, they had went through it, and I was just trying to, as much as I could possibly do, to message them every so often. Like, you know, don't feel like this. You know, it's going to get easy, or you're going to blah, blah, blah. If you go on, got it, got it still reminding them, like, you know, you're still a mom, Your baby, blah, 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 this, is, and they're just saying things that I would have wanted someone to say to me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've, I've given it some thought. I may somewhere down the line do some type of, um, I always said I wanted to do some type of support something for my son, who, by the way, his name was Jalen. Um, I wanted to do something. I just knew that as the years went on, it's said, okay, I don't think I'm ready yet. I don't think I'm ready yet now. It's like, this was like the first hurdle. It's like, okay, I'm finally speaking about it. You know, a lot of my family, like, I, I internalized a lot of my feelings. Like, I shut down once I feel like someone doesn't care. So they didn't know that I felt these ways or felt that way. So, uh, I don't know. I guess it's a different milestone. For sure.
0: And I want to thank you for like yeah. coming on here and willing to do it with me because. You just your experience alone, you have really opened my eyes to like some of the things that can happen to somebody during mm-hmm. a pregnancy. Like you yeah. were 19 and, you know, people always assume, oh, you're young, you'll be mm-hmm. fine, your pregnancy will be OK. And it's like that's not everyone's case. And you had multiple things within your first pregnancy journey that a lot of people don't know about and they should be aware yeah. of, um, mm-hmm. you know, and you even show how certain hospitals just suck. Like they're mm-hmm. unprofessional. They're terrible. You know, if you don't feel safe at a certain hospital, you don't feel supported, you might have to go to another one. Like I think your right. I think your general story has so many different aspects to it that will mm-hmm. be helpful to a number of women. So I thank you for coming on here and sharing. And I do think you should continue
2: right.
0: sharing it with other people because it's something that really needs to be heard. I think you really have a lot here. Um, that would definitely help people in their journey. Cause yeah, like it's, you went, you've gone through a lot. You've survived a lot, Ashley. You should be proud of yourself. Yeah.
1: In my head, it don't seem like a lot, but other people they be looking at me like, yeah, I'm over here crying. I'm like, no,
0: I'm
1: good. They like, no, like (laughs) this. Yeah.
0: That's what when you're telling your story, I'm like, oh my gosh. Like it was like more and more and more and more.
1: Your mouth get drove with your time. Yeah, I was like, "What? What?" what?
0: <laughs> I couldn't believe it. So yeah, I feel like you're a hundred percent a survivor, and I think your story is going to help a lot of other people survive as well. well I so. hope
1: so. Right. Whatever way it may, I hope so. <laughs>
0: So I did want to go to our last segment, which is called The More You Know. So this question is one that I asked my reoccurring guests. And it's, after the year we have had, what advice would you give listeners when it comes to navigating the unexpected and curveballs life may throw your way? And this doesn't have to be about the main topic. It could be about anything.
1: After the year we've had, Mm -hmm. I would definitely (laughs) say stop holding grudges. Speak on how you feel, because at this day and age, you don't know. I mean, that's always been the thing, but more so than anything. um, At this day and age, you don't know which way things are going to go, one way or the other. Um, I would definitely say cherish your loved ones, for sure. And use all of your resources to go after... Any aspirations that you may have in life, any goals that you want to accomplish, now is definitely the time to pursue everything that you've wanted to pursue. I know I'm working on it. I know you've been working on it. Yeah, I have. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm having to shoot. Listen, <laughs> it's go time.
0: A hundred percent. I really do hope everyone understands that it's definitely go time. So, I All love right. that advice um so thank you again Ashley for coming back on here thank you so much I want you to let people know where they can follow you again I know you mentioned it in the beginning
1: but just in case they didn't get it uh you can follow my Instagram it is miss ash that is m-s-a-s-h-b-a-s-h two underscores with underscore underscore at the end and um yeah you can catch me there
0: Awesome. And then if you guys want to follow Vixen by CRTs, that is on Instagram at VXN.xco. I'm looking for guests, y'all. I'm trying to get this, get the podcast back on a schedule. It's just stuff just be happening. But yeah, um, I'm looking for guests. Any topics that you guys have, like I said, you're more than welcome to send me a DM, send me an email, and I'm completely open to all topics. So, yes, definitely let me know if you want to come on. And Mm -hmm. that's pretty much it. So thank you guys. And until the next
1: episode.